Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I guess the work is sort of never done. <laughs> you think about an evolving customer with evolving needs. Obviously, we've had evolving supply chain. You've had competitive forces. It, it never really ends. In our category, 80% of pet parents want to do what's best for their pet, but only 50% of them know how. And that juicy insight actually drives a lot of how we think about operating as a company and especially within the customer world. So our idea inspiring people. We want to help them. We want to make it personalized. We want to bring all that data together so that all elements of that health and wellness experience come together. Welcome to today's episode of Brave Commerce. I'm Rachel Tippograph, the founder and CEO of Micmac. I'm Sarah Hofsetter, president of Profitero. And this is a show that talks about what's relevant in e-commerce for the world's biggest brands. Sarah, I should know the answer to this question. Do you have a pet? I have had pets. I've had small pets. I don't have a good history of maintenance. I don't do well on pets. I don't do well on plants. Thank God my kids are still alive. I was just going to say. But I fancy myself a very capable dog aunt. My friend's dogs, they love me. But like you are the definition of a pet parent. They're pet owners and they're pet parents. And your relationship with Wally is, is a different level. Wally is a part of our family. My wife jokes that she birthed Wally and he's a King Charles Cavalier. So that would be quite difficult. But no, he's the best. He's 11. We rescued him. We nursed him to health. And he's just the best little guy that we have. And as a result, we spent an enormous amount of money on him because he had all these preconditions prior to when we adopted him. And listen, every single time we go to the vet, it costs us at least $500. It's a huge expense to have a dog. It's a huge expense. It is a huge amount of time, which is why I prefer the the ant ship. Not to mention the fact that Adam would just like, he's just, no, no, we will not get a pet. And the truth is, it's not just the vet. It's, there's a lot of emotional investment that goes into it and time depending on the pet. There's just a lot that goes into it. And yet, despite all of the stuff that goes into it, money, time, emotional attachment, all that stuff, there is a, an overwhelming majority of Americans that own pets. Yeah, the stat now is two thirds of Americans have a pet, which is wild to think about from just a total market opportunity to address all those needs. And Petco, which is obviously one of the biggest retailers in the space, has positioned themselves to really service 
all of the end-to-end needs of a pet, even beyond traditional commerce. A couple of years ago, I think at this point, we had the CMO of Petco and a good friend of ours, Tara Kassan, on the show talking about really thinking about the full 360 needs of pets. And this was still earlier on in the pandemic. Of course, Tarek has gone on to be the CMO of McDonald's. We should probably have him back, actually. Put that on the to-do list. And now we have a different perspective coming in with Darren McDonald, who's chief customer officer at Petco. One of the things that is really interesting about him is how he reorients us around the retailer need versus, you know, many of our guests are on the brand side and that interrelationship becomes so critical. Yeah, so we're going to bring Darren onto the show. He has some really great frameworks. And I think the clearest thing is what matters to a retailer to succeed, no matter what decade it is. It's about assortment. It's about price. It's about delivery and the value to the consumer within those three value propositions for the consumer. So give it a listen. He's a wealth of knowledge. Buy something for your pet at Petco. Hey, Darren. Hello, Rachel. Hi, Sarah. How are you? We're good. Sarah and I are recording this from New York. You're in California, but clearly from your resume, you spent a good amount of time in New York. One of the early members of Jet.com, which then became Walmart.com. Now you're overseeing Petco.com. When you look back at probably the last 10 to 15 years of working in commerce, what do you feel has changed about the business and what stayed the same? E-commerce obviously is, you know, over the last 15, 20 years has taken off in, in very meaningful ways. I mean, for, for me, I think there are just some immutable truths, you know, whether they're Jeff Bezos truisms or, you know, Mark Laurie truisms. I mean, there's some things that just don't change. And those things are having the right assortment, making sure that it's priced correctly and that you get it delivered to a customer quickly. Those are, if you think about it from a customer's perspective, those are the things that matter most. And those things will not change. I think what has begun to evolve over time, and you, you certainly see this right now, is just the growth in marketplaces. Mm-hmm. I mean, marketplaces as a place where customers can get access to really broad swaths of assortment. I think, you know, you've seen it over time with Amazon, certainly, but even the the launch of key marketplaces with like DoorDash, for instance, I think, you know, really have begun to kind of move very, very quickly. And with that, I think is also just consumers' willingness to pay for convenience. It's as high as it ever was. You know, what used to be a seven-day delivery then became, you know, two to four-day delivery, then two-day delivery, then next-day delivery. And now it's, you know, it's not only going from same day to really like one hour or even faster delivery. That is a big cultural change over the last few years as customers just really demand and are willing to pay for convenience above all else. So those are, I would say, are kind of what's changed and, and what remains the same. Even in these inflationary periods, are you finding that the consumer is still willing to pay a premium for delivery? I guess what's really, really great is that it isn't always more expensive. So if you think about like the convenience, I mean, the fastest way to get a product isn't same day delivery. It's actually buy in line, pick up in store. Mm-hmm. Buy in line, pick up in store is delivery handled for us. And, and we are advantaged in that way at Petco because we have 1500 stores that people can just go to and pick up product. And that doesn't cost us anything. Um, and as I said, they, they take care of the, the cost of delivery, even for something like same day delivery, if it's done effectively, you have the right inventory balance in the right locations, it can actually be done in a way that is cheaper than using a FedEx or a UPS. So I think that's actually putting a lot of pressure on the traditional large carriers because you aren't necessarily shipping a product from Sacramento, California to Memphis and then back down to San Diego. You can do it from your local pet care center, we call them. That is just a totally different cost model of delivery. 
makes a lot of sense, especially when you start thinking about either weight or bulk or whatever, as it, as it relates to things like either pet food or litter or things like that. Right. Yeah, you, you got it. I mean, that's so it's exactly the way that we talk about it. So that product that would go to Memphis, the way they price that is what's the speed, what's the weight and how far is it going? So if you think about a 40 pound bag of dog food, that can become quite costly. But if you're talking about, let's just say a DoorDash, for instance, that same bag of dog food just goes in somebody's trunk. It's the same cost as if it was a tennis ball or a big bag of dog food. So like I said, we, we get some cost advantage and because it's a totally different pricing model. It must play into how you guys think about elasticities as you think through how you work with your suppliers, right? Mm. And and the kinds of relationships that you can bring to to them in terms of just full package as because of that last mile win potential. It is. And I would just also note when we make same day delivery or BOPUS available to the customer on the website, they're choosing it like the overwhelming majority of the time. Mm-hmm. So you think about what's unique about our value proposition, having those 1500 locations enables us to access a customer who wants and demands those things, which is different than just a pure play e-commerce provider. So that from our vendor community, they have access to a demographic and a customer shopping behavior that doesn't exist for other, other retailers. I think it makes a lot of sense. And it takes that whole story about the importance of real estate as an asset, not a liability. And to see so many of the pure players actually building up their real estate footprint. Obviously, it's uh, the pendulum swings. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. As the chief customer officer of Petco, your job does go beyond commerce or e-commerce, if you will, you're responsible for that full omni-channel experience. So when you think about the shopper experience, the consumer experience, where do you guys think you're at today and where's it going? So it's probably useful to sort of define chief customer officer because I think for different retailers, it means different things. And, And here's the way I think about this. My role within marketing, the leader of the marketing organization, the digital organization, and the customer care world, that's sort of the thing where we interact with the customers. The glue, if you will, is the membership area. And I would say the wrapping for the whole thing is the data, the enterprise analytics and the data science. Like That's how we think about the structure and kind of what's part of my mandate. And that's different for a few organizations, but I really like the way that we've assembled this. You know, our Our North Star is to inspire and lead pet parents through a world-class, personalized, 360-degree health and wellness experience. Like It's a mouthful, but it is all things that we want to do for a pet parent. You know, as far as our journey goes, I guess the work is sort of never done. (laughs) 
you think about an evolving customer with evolving needs, obviously we've had evolving supply chain, you've had competitive forces, it, it never really ends. But you know what I can say is that in our category, 80% of pet parents want to do what's best for their pet, but only 50% of them know how. And that insight, I call these things sort of juicy insights, that juicy insight actually drives a lot of how we think about operating as a company and especially within the customer world. So our idea, inspiring people, we want to help them. We want to make it personalized. We want to bring all that data together so that all elements of that health and wellness experience come together. Because different than, let's say, another retailer, we're not just selling dog or cat food. We are the grocery store, yes, but we're also the pharmacy. We do grooming. We do vaccinations. We do things that require somebody to come into a physical location. And so that omni-channel component, bringing all those things together and helping somebody through that process is, is how we think about kind of our, our reason for being. And the membership unlock for our company was really, really meaningful because what it did was it brought the cost down for you to engage with all of those elements together and made them facilitated easier access to all those elements as well. So anyway, that's how we think about it at Petco. And you know, like I said, it's different for every company in terms of how they design the role, but that's how we operate. It's hard to think of comparable business models. Like as you were describing sort of the end-to-end -end consumer experience, the closest thing I came up with was Amazon acquiring one medical, but that's not even integrated yet. I think there are some models that are similar, like an, you know, a national vision or something mm. like that is, is similar in some ways, but it really is. I mean, you cited earlier, Sarah, I think the, you know, this idea that the pendulum has swung from one side to the other. It used to be brick and mortar matters. Then everybody freaked out and they said, brick and mortar doesn't matter. It's all about e-commerce. And now we've swung back to this place where, the promise of an omni-channel retailer actually really is bearing fruit. And, and I think, you know, uniquely for us, because of that requirement of like needing a physical location and proximity to help service an animal groom, vaccinations, going to the hospital, but also having the convenience of something like repeat delivery, where we just ship you the dog food because you don't, if you don't want to come to our pet care center, you don't have to. So I feel like we are unique in some ways in terms of that omni-channel model. Well, being unique plus incredible TAM opportunity, I think yeah. the pandemic really turned a lot of Americans into pet parents. Mm -hmm. I think there's a stat like one third of adult Americans now have a pet. And then I think I saw another stat recently. It's something like 75% of millennials have a pet. Yeah. Those accurate stats. You're close. It's actually two thirds of, wow. of Americans are, are pet parents. Um, and by the way, we call them those things. And this is sort of unique to where we are. And, and the notion, the, the comment you made about millennials is that, you know, it almost sounds silly to say a pet parent versus a pet owner, but really that's actually how pet parents think about things. Like it is a category filled with emotion where it is a family member. You know, we talk about this idea that you know, years ago, the dog used to sleep outside, then they moved inside, then they moved to the foot of the bed, and then now they sleep on the bed with you. They are family members through and through. And, and for a lot of, you know, the younger generation called the millennial category, like they are their partners in a lot of ways. You can see it walking around New York all the time. So our goal, like I said, are just to focus the engagement and, and deepen the engagement with those customers as much as possible. And like I said before, I think that having that combination of digital and physical experience really helps us to stand out for such a, a large category and, and a big TAM. My wife literally says that she birthed our dog, Wally. So <laughs> there you right. go. 
all these people became pet owners. Yeah. And you're in the retail business. Every year you have to show that you beat your comps. Yeah. Is it achievable to like grow over this pandemic boom? Like, how do you think about like the next 10 to 20 years of growth? Yeah. What has been great is if you just look time memorial, you see pet growth in two different ways. One is number of of animals that are either adopted or brought into a household or in your case, birthed into your family. Um, And then you see appreciation that comes through some level of just uh, premiumization. I think that those two things will remain in place to various degrees. So what I mean by that is that you know, we're not seeing any meaningful slowdown in the number of pets that are joining people's households. The premiumization thing, you know, you've got inflationary pressures that have come into that and affected some level of discretionary spend and a little bit of the kind of the, the food side of things. But as an organization, we continue to twist our assortment towards things that are on the more premium end of the assortment spectrum. So the food that we help pet parents offer their animals are things like fresh and frozen, just food for dogs, fresh pet things that are really kind of human grade food. And so that allows us to, you know, continue to work that kind of premiumization end of the market. So, you know, to answer your question, I don't see this or forecast those two trends sort of abating in any way. So interesting. I mean, one of the other things that I think creates a TAM for you guys is just the experience of Petco. As you've seen this growth with pet ownership uh, or parenthood or, sorry, I actually don't have a pet. I'm a gen. <laughs> let me tell you, I literally have no friends without pets, right. I, I'm not, but I am a good pet aunt, I guess, if we're <laughs> like go with familial stuff. But I've got to think that the in-store experience has to change as the, the demographic does change. So how do you, and you know, I know you guys have had grooming for capabilities for, for a while. There was a movement into just overall wellness, like how do you think about mirroring the needs of pets based on those who have brought them into their families? The retail experience is evolving. You know, I would offer up if you haven't gone to go see it, uh, you should see our new Union Square store. It's not far. It's a short walk for the both of you. It's incredible. I wouldn't say it's the best pet retail experience. I think it is amongst the best retail experience out there. It is incredible. It's beautiful on the inside, but it also is like very functional. It's super shoppable, but you have things like grooming services. You have things like the ability to go see a doctor. That store is very different than the first one that was opened up in the 50s and 60s. So it has changed quite considerably. The other sort of thing that's changed inside of a a pet care center is, you know, we have really trained our partners who are our most valuable asset to be domain experts. So they actually can in aisle help answer questions that maybe you can't get answered at other locations. They are experts in animal care and animal welfare. So those have been the the big drivers, I think, inside of the the retail store. We know that retail can typically be a tough business. Margins are different than, say, running software businesses. Yeah. And you think about driving profitable growth, you know, we've seen a lot of retailers launch retail media businesses, which, you know, I know Petco has its own flavor of private label. Like, where do you think about how to create growth in the business, especially on that margin side? Yeah, I mean, you said it at the outset. I mean, retail is a very competitive thing. When you get focused on the fundamentals that drive a business, 
if you want to remain salient in a customer's mind who's more connected and has more information to decide where they want to go shop than ever before, you have to be right on those fundamentals, the immutable sort of things that we talked about on the, on the front end of the call. For us, we then think about, yeah, certainly we have powerhouse owned brands that customers really love. That play, which other retailers run, is a very, very strong one for us. I would say that the retail media network component that you cited is a big piece of our business. And I would say is really unique in the sense that we're able to stitch together through kind of first party data, the shopper's behavior with an advertiser and helping to drive our own sort of profitable needs in ways that customers actually find valuable. So for example, when somebody is shopping on the website and they're looking for, let's say, some sort of dog food. Well, we enable advertisers to advertise on our website in ways that are valuable based on the search that they've given to us. It's great for the advertiser. They're willing to pay, which is great for us. And for the customer and the consumer, they're getting hopefully an ad that is pretty well targeted to what their needs are. So it's that ecosystem is working really, really well. I think what, what is unique about our retail media network from a lot of others is that Shoppers shop both online and offline, and we have the ability to connect 25 million customers in terms of their shopping ability across both of them. So we have a richer view of what the economics are for any individual customer that generates a higher ROI for that advertiser. And that's pretty unique in terms of what we do and our ability to kind of pull that full thing together. The last point I would just say is, unlike any other category that I've worked in before, Working at Jets and Walmart, I've run everything from musical instruments and art supplies and arts and crafts and office products and services and TVs and toasters and the whole bit, right? Pet is very unique in that the relationship is longitudinally considerably longer than any other category. I mean, the next closest would be something like baby, right? You go shopping with a retailer even before you have the baby, then you have the baby, and maybe you shop with that retailer for another couple of years. Pet, if you do it right, you know, can be a 12, 15, 20 year relationship. And so that changes a little bit of how you think about profit, kind of owning more of that wallet share through all elements of health and wellness. And again, I would just say, this is why we think our membership business is so powerful, allows us over time to build a more profitable model than I bought a TV and I made 2% margin on it. And I don't see that customer again for eight years. And so it it really, you know, is a very, very fascinating category with dynamics that are very unlike a lot of uh, a lot of other retail. One of the things that that's interesting about these retail media networks in, in particular is understanding basket analysis and the kinds of things that people buy at Petco versus, let's say, more of a mass or kind of a retailer and certainly versus an exclusive online pure play. I'll ask two questions and you can pick which or both you want to answer as it relates to that. So, so one is, is there like an insight that you found that is like people who like to buy X also like to buy Y, but it was, it is not, what, what did you say? A juicy insight? Like you, do you have a juicy insight that you could share, share for our audience? And if the answer is no, you have to pay me a lot of money, then <laughs> that's your pitch. If not, and you want to answer a different question, the question would be, a lot of these retail media networks talk about all the different things you can get. And often it's some sort of combination of obviously online advertising, some sort of data, and then something in store. Mm -hmm. How do you think about that recipe of all of those equations as you think through also trade and shopper and not borrowing from Peter to PayPal? Mm -hmm. You can also answer both if you'd like. 
I'll try to do, I love the choose your own adventure. I'll take both adventures. See all of the above. I won't necessarily give the data around it, but I'll frame it up for you, which is to say we, we do have very rich data on what customers' next best action would be. So like, I'll, I'll give you a really good example, okay? Somebody is purchasing cat litter with us. Unless they're putting it in the back of their car, you know, to weight the car down and put on the road in case they get stuck in the snow, chances are they have a cat. If we're not getting that food from them, it gives us some level of insight towards like, well, maybe we ought to offer some sort of level of promotion, or we should personalize the experience to pull them into a brand that we have. And and so we have all that data broken down by category. So if it's not cat litter and it's something else, we know what your attached category is. And it, it drives a lot of our behavior and how we drive a lot of our, our yield. You know, you said something a little bit earlier, Sarah, just in terms of like the basket level economics, your example I would offer up is broader in the way that we think about it, which is customer level economics, which is kind of the game for us, right? It's not about, did we make margin on this individual product? It's actually not even about, did we make money on the basket? It's about how are we making money on the full customer across things like retail media network, brick and mortar experience, services, training, grooming, Like it's about the full picture and all of our data and our strategies really operate from that view of of what does customer level economics look like. So I hope that answered your second question. It's pretty amazing to think about how sophisticated Petco has become. We have to ask you our famous last question. What's the bravest thing you've ever done? I would hope as New Yorkers, you can appreciate this. I grew up in in Southern California. I went to school in the Bay Area and then moved back to Southern California. And and I had a great opportunity to move to New York. It was a leap of faith in the sense that I had never lived outside of the state of California. New York is a, as you well know, is a very fascinating place and it's it's a big city. And it was a big move personally, but it was also a big move professionally. And and it helped evolve the way that I learned and and think about life and business. And I went to work for a company named IEC, which you would know from 18th and and the West Side Highway, and had this incredible experience out there. I learned a lot in a very short amount of time. And I, you know, I'm very grateful to Barry Diller and John Foley and Joey Levine and, and all these people that helped kind of like bring me along. You know, I learned how to lead with data and be more customer focused. I learned how to work harder to leverage insight from a customer, not necessarily just retail insights, but really learn what matters to a customer. And I would say my my takeaways from the experience professionally were, you know, one, you have to work on something that really gets you out of bed in the morning. It is the number one piece of a career advice I can offer to somebody is it doesn't matter what it is, as long as you're excited to do it. And I was really excited to work on the things that I was working on. Number two was was working with a great leader. And I worked with some really, really great leaders there who went to bat for me and helped move me along in my career. And then the third thing was I had chosen an industry that was constructive, that I thought was growing. When people ask me kind of, what should I do next? I always hit those three things because I think they really mattered. And uh, my own experience in New York which was a big step for me personally, really paid off in those ways. So that would be kind of the bravest thing I did. Love that. It's so fascinating that you have media in your DNA, brought that over to the retail side. Yeah. I was very fortunate to learn media. I was fortunate to learn product at IEC. When I went to Jet and Walmart, I I really learned, you know, kind of customer experience and supply chain and data. 
And every stop along the way for me has been great. It's made me a more well-rounded business professional. And I'm enormously grateful for both the good and the bad times because they they help kind of form who you are as a leader. Yeah, I, I am who I am now. <laughs> Reach. If you follow the stat that two-thirds of Americans have pets, then two-thirds of our listeners should probably have pets. So make sure you hit Petco this season. And Darren, thank you so much for your time. Yeah, I really appreciate it. Thanks, Rachel. Thanks, Sarah. Thanks for having me on. Well, hopefully we've all just become way more educated on what it takes to succeed as a true omni-channel retailer in today's environment. If you enjoyed hearing Petco's perspective and you want to keep thinking about the retailer's perspective, there's quite a few episodes to check out. You can go all the way back to mid-pandemic and listen to Tarek Hassan's episode from Petco just to have a different perspective from the time we were in the world. You can go check out some recent episodes. We've had Thrive Market onto the show. We've had Best Buy onto the show. We've had Sam's Club onto the show. We've had Walmart onto the show. All of those are opportunities to check out retailers' perspectives. If you enjoyed this episode, write us a review. Why don't you also share it on LinkedIn? We'd love that too. Thanks for listening. Hi, I'm Jackie Cooper, Global Chief Brand Officer at Edelman and the host of Touch of True, a new podcast launching on the Adweek Podcast Network. My dad gave me this incredibly smart piece of advice, meet everyone once. As a result, I've met some of the most fascinating and inspiring people on the planet. Now on Touch of Truth, we're coming center stage and sharing the mic to experience stories of truth, insights and visions for the future that will challenge your way of thinking. Touch of Truth is available wherever you listen to podcast. New episodes come out every Tuesday. I do hope to see you there.